This is Teach for All Talks, a conversation with global education thought leaders. Today's episode features Wendy Kopp in conversation with Kennedy Odede, founder and chief executive of Shining Hope for Communities, also known as Shofco. Shofco combats gender inequality and extreme poverty in African urban slums by linking tuition-free schools for girls to holistic social services for all. I'm really incredibly excited to be able to share Kennedy's story um, and learn more about his thoughts uh, here today. He is, I've, I feel so lucky to have somehow randomly come into contact with Kennedy when a couple years ago um, and you know, honestly have come to think he's one of the most remarkable people in the world. He has an absolutely remarkable story, is doing incredible work in Kibera, um, which is, I believe, the largest urban slum in Africa. Um, and he's also proven to be just an incredible champion of our model, um, which hopefully will soon happen in Kenya. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to just help hopefully create a platform for him to be able to share a little more about all this um, with you all and with the broader Teach for All community. Um, so before we get started, I want to encourage everyone here in person to ask questions. Uh, and if you're remote, uh, we're going to use Twitter for questions. I'm at Wendy Kopp. Uh, Kennedy's at Kennedy Odidi. Um, and we're using the TFAL Talks hashtag. And you can also just email Noran Khan at teachforall.org. Um, so to finally get started here. Um, so Kennedy, maybe tell us where you grew up. and. Um, and a little bit about your own experience in trying to get an education. Oh, thank you so much, Wendy. I'm, <clears throat> I'm very happy to be here today. As you know, I'm a very big champion of Teach for All. So uh, education has been something very important to me because I grew up in this slum in, in, in Nairobi, Kenya. I used to see other kids going to school in bright uniforms. And, my, and I came from a really, really poor family. So that was something that was sad. And at the age of 10, I ran away from the house. Be I became a homeless kid because I couldn't access education and there's no food in the house. So, was there, so for me, education is a privilege that I felt I was denied at a very early age, you know? And, uh, and, I, and also that kind of, uh, because of I really wanted education. So on the streets, I was collecting the old newspapers, anything written, I wanted to read, you know, and as a way to, to educate myself. So, and if you talk about uh, education. How did you learn to read? I was playing with things, you know. I just take papers, I, I was reading it, you know. And yeah, it was, was hard in terms of past tense, the tenses, you know. But you hadn't gone to school, yes, right? Yeah. So someone taught you your letters and somehow. I, yeah, I, I kind of, it's so weird. I kind of just play around with it, you know what I mean? And then later on in life, I was able to meet a Catholic priest, you know. And we, because I used to disturb him all the time, and he bought me a dictionary, mm -hmm. which was really tough. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. Sorry. Yeah. So not to interrupt. Mm. So you, you kind of taught yourself to read. And yes. did you ever go to formal school? Yeah. So I spent, uh, from the street, I stayed on the street for two years. Then I went to an informal school. Mm -hmm. That took me for two years again. Hard life again. I have to leave the school and I have to go to sell peanuts. You no, know, was a really hard life. But what I learned through this struggle was seeing what other people are going through. So I was not happy, you know. And I realized that we have to to do something. Mm. 
And I think that's the moment I was able to start, uh, we were able to start what's called Shofko, Shining of a Community, you know, which became like a movement, you know. And Can you tell us this story, though, in granular detail? Like, so you were 18, yeah. and you went out, you had 20 cents. By then, I was working in a factory. Yeah. I was earning, I was earning $1 for 10 hours, mm. you know. And there's a lot of events that happened in my life. One, I lost my friend who was killed by the police. Another one was Calvin's, who hanged himself because of her life, you know. And before then, I was inspired by Martin Luther King Jr. So what I was looking for was hope. There's no hope. We look around, nobody have made it. Mm. So you kind of give up. But I'm like reading this book, I'm like, wow, eh? this man never gave up. I want to be like him. You know? So that became something that really drove me. And then when you were little, my mother, she's alive, she's a very, very strong woman, never went to school, but loves education. We used to have food a little bit. You know, food is something precious in our time by then. And it used to be the neighbor's kids were coming, and I'll be so mad. And I say, Mom, let's close the door. These kids want to eat our food. Like, Kennedy, that's not good. You don't have to be rich or poor to have an impact. So that's something that really clicked with me. You know what I mean? So that's something really like anybody can have an impact. So reading the story of Martin Luther King Jr. with the story of my mom, I was on fire. <laughs> I know. So that's when I bought the first uh, soccer ball, and I called the community, community to come together. I, I remember we were having like uh, six people, you know, and they all challenged me, Kennedy, where is the donor? And I say, we are the donor. You know, we don't need anybody. We, we have to come together, clean the street. And it's really sort of like a movement with just hope. I never knew I'll be where I am today. But back in my mind, I knew very well the future is education. But I didn't have anything. But what I had to start first was how to gather the community, you know, to make them on fire, to make them believe, you know. So my idea was to open a school for girls, a women's school. Why? In this, when people are poor, most of the time women tend to be really getting hard, hard time. My mom, I think my mom, she's, my mom could have been eh, somebody um, big, I'm not, I'm not kidding you, very smart. But the only thing is that she was a woman and that she never went to school because she was a woman. Can you believe that? So that really her dreams had been shut. So I believed in education and I also believe that in this community, let's start with those who have been really marginalized and it was women. So that's where the school of Kibera School for Girls started. Mm. But how do you make it innovative? Men were not happy. You know, it's a patriotic society. We were like, hey, what are you doing with women, Kennedy? This is not fair. The idea came up, like, we're going to have a school that is linked to social services. So whereby men can feel part of it. How? We have clean water. <laughs> yeah. We have health clinic. We have library. The men love to read newspapers. So they come, so it becomes like a center. So if you do away with the school, you are doing away with what? With the social services. And that's how it became an innovative way of involving mm -hmm. men. And that's how we have a school now. We say that we have up to now, we have up to sixth grade. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And how did it, how did it go? Because the first thing you did was buy a soccer ball. Yes. Why was that? Okay, a soccer ball. I've uh, always wondered this. Okay, that's good, <laughs> yeah. I think for me, we love soccer. Uh, you know, really, really, we are crazy about soccer. And for me, soccer, the ball was a way of bringing people together. Mm, mm. So that was a way of bringing people together. So people came together for the soccer. During that time, we could talk about issues that are affecting us in the community. 
So soccer brought us together. And, and when did that turn into this, this kind of larger idea? Or how did, how did that evolution happen? Did that take years or weeks yeah. or months? Oh, good question, yeah. It was hard, to be honest. It was a very, very hard time. There was a time I felt I want to quit. There was a time I felt there was nothing moving. But I think uh, what happened was that belief that we can change our own life. That was the thing that happened. We can change our own life. And we are seeing the bigger picture. And we wanted to be uh, an example of how grassroots leaders can come together and change their own life. So it took me, I would say, like five years before, mm. you know, before getting my scholarship <laughs> and come to the States. We have to tell this story. So <laughs> Kennedy literally, after you hear this story, he met someone who had the bright idea that he should go to a U.S. university. And, and was that university's commencement speaker at his own graduation <laughs> in 2012, Wesleyan University. So you have to tell us that story. Okay, good. Okay, this is a very good story. <laughs> but, yeah, but I really never knew I would get there. So, so we became popular in the ghetto. We were like this amazing group of people doing cleanups, talking about women issues, street theater. And this is like a major thing. Like uh, I, I got this from all my reading and, uh, and from past conversations. But like Kennedy, they call you Mr. Mayor. Yeah, right? that's the name Kibera. I got. Yeah, the name Mayor. At this but I'm not elected. Young age. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> no election. Anyway, so so we became so. I remember, I remember there was a time we were giving a speech uh, at the UN. You know, because they're coming more famous now, and there was somebody who knew Jessica. So Jessica was a a, a young lady who goes to Wesleyan. So coming to do what? Study abroad. So Jessica got in touch with me. And I think she was a little bit crazy by then. She was like, wanted to come and live in Kibera and work with Shofko. And I say, no, that's the wrong idea. First of all, you should not write anybody an email that you want to come stay with them, you know? And then, <laughs> <laughs> you don't know. So Jessica this came. This is now his wife, by yeah. the way, Jessica. <laughs> little fast forward. You're going too Just far away, to <laughs> Okay, go on. Okay, so what happened was that, so Jessica came to Kibera, and we were working together, and she was asking me about my, my life, my future. So I told her that I really believe in education. Maybe one day I'll go to what's called the community college. I'll save, I'll save, and I'll go for that. And like, have you ever thought about applying for American universities? And I'm like, no. I, I told her, I can't get there. That's too much dream. Anyway, so as a, for me, it was like a joke, I'll be honest. And I wanted just to make, because kind of we were falling in love. So I was applying just to make her happy. <laughs> <laughs> I knew no way I'll get there. And believe it or not, I was able to get a scholarship. And I went to Wesleyan University. And for me, it was a big change. And that's when I was, we were able to build a school for girls in Kibera. You know what I mean? So that's for, for me to see this kind of opportunity. You know, I remember things I enjoyed then was, you wouldn't believe this, things like shower. I was taking two hours showering. I was so happy. <laughs> food was like, wow, the first time in my life to have enough food, you know. And I felt like I felt a little bit opportunities. What about people back home? You know, that's when I, le uh, during the summer, I went back and we were able to build these schools with $10,000 US dollar that we collected from the school. Mm. And now we have that better school for girls, you know. And it's been having a lot of impact mm. in the community. And what would you say, like when you think about your experience, so you've been at Shop, Shopco yeah. for how many years now, like <laughs> a decade? Yeah. 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 Um, and what would you say are your biggest kind of learnings from that, from all of this? I mean, I'm sure that's a vague and big question, but 
you know, your theories at the beginning versus your theories now about what will really make a difference in communities. I mean, what, what are your, what, what's the kind of big insight that you're currently operating on as you think about how to grow your impact? Yeah, so I've uh, been there for long now, but I think the future, and I think was that, first of all, you have to know your vision. You know, you have to believe in what, you know, no matter what, focus. I think I was able to focus on what I believed in, you know. And uh, growing up in the slum, to be honest with you, I was anti-elite. Being honest, mm. I felt we were neglected, and I felt we have nothing to do with anybody middle class. You know, we were just poor people. We were mad. We were having anger. You know, we felt really isolated. Coming to realize in the work is that we need to create bridges. And that's why, Wendy, I'm really part of this church for Kenya. You know what I mean? Because the, the only way we can solve our challenges is when we partner, when we open the door. So what's happening now is in Kibera School for Girls, we are able to invite middle class to come and mentor, do mentorships. So how do we find ways of working with other people, mm. you know, who brings different skills? Yeah. And that for us has been a way of creating jobs, network. And let's talk about, we talk about the po po poverty. Poverty is something very big. Poverty for me is what? Number one, isolation. Mm. <laughs> you people have your bad schools. <laughs> You'd go anywhere. Mm. You're going to a school. You know? And if you find a way of how to link two different worlds, then you are creating the future. You are creating what we call sharing of resources, sharing of ideas. And Shoko has been really successful because of that partnership. Go back about Jessica, who is my wife, and me. Jessica comes from America. I come from, the, from Kibera, from the community. Both of us, we have been able really to work together. You know? And for me, it was a way of two worlds were able to interwind, you know, to connect. Mm -hmm. you know? yeah, so I think working with people mm -hmm. is very, very important. Another thing is to listen. You have to really listen. And I feel so lucky uh, that <laughs> this, uh, this is interesting, mm -hmm. Wendy. So when, when, when you live in places like Kibera, you don't understand this world, American world, the world of grants. It has their own languages, you know? I was mm. really confused all the time trying to write grants. I can't get anything. <laughs> 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 they, they, they have their own languages, you know what I mean? They have their own way of doing it. So I realized that you're totally, there's a big difference. So the change for Shofko happened when I was able to come to understand the language and understand people on the grassroots level and at the same time people in another world. Mm. So that's very important. And that's why some, some organizations and some groups will just continue stuck because mm. the world is really difficult. And then with all your money and your resources, you can also not understand the grassroots. So you can't succeed, mm. I'm being honest. They also have a hard time just being alone. So that's why I believe what's called what? If these two people can come together, you know what I mean? We can have the change mm. going now. Yeah, because about balancing. Mm. And, and how do you, so, so where are you all now in terms of, like when you think about the scope of Kibera? Yeah. Because it's, it's like, how many people live in Kibera? Kibera is a, is, is a, there's a, there's no really figure that people know about mm. it. Some people say it's from uh, half a million to one million, no? Yeah. yeah. Mm. And, and what scale are you all, how do you think about scale in that context? And, and how do you think about growing, growing your impact and what really needs to happen to 
kind of help accelerate the progress in, in Kibera? Yeah. So in Kibera now, we are, okay, we are expanding in different ways. We started with a couple of students, like 60. Now we have 200. But at the same time, we are serving over 70,000 individuals. That for me is something unique number because they are the one protecting the school, they're the one believing in education. This is through clean water. Uh, we have uh, clean water. We have health clinic that we have right now. We have satellites. You know, we have four different satellites clinics. Yeah. At the same time, with water, we are able to expand within the community. At the same time, now we are also working in another slum called Madare. Madare is the second largest slum in in, in, in Kenya. I mean, by working with local leaders there, local community, you know. So I see we are expanding deep and also to other geographical areas. Mm -hmm. Also by just working with different people. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and what's your own focus? I mean, you're so young and have accomplished so much, but have so much in front of you. I mean, how are you thinking about, about your own focus over time? Are you focused largely on Kibera Kenya more broadly. Perfect. I, I think I'm, I'm focusing mostly in the informal settlement, mm -hmm. the slums, mostly now in Nairobi. You have to see that it is all isolation. <coughs> Sometimes people don't, people forget that they have the power. These people vote, these people know. So how do you bring people together? How do you make people believe that they can change their own life? Another thing that, that poverty does to you is to make you believe you are born poor, <laughs> that's your life. And I believed that for a while. I was like, really, I felt like this is my life. If you're born in a rich family, you're going to have a better life. <laughs> That's your life. But for me, I'm poor and I'm poor. But it's not true. You know what I mean? It's not true. I think we can change our own life. You know, we have to know that we can mm. come together and change. You know? So I feel like if we can start on the ground level, people like government. Right now you say about Kibera, I've seen some changes happening now. Government are trying to come in to build roads. You know what I mean? But when people really start coming together, to change their own life, then you, then change start happening. You know what I mean? But you just keep quiet and be like, oh, I'm poor. So I'm trying to bring people to believe that they can change their own life and they can come together. And when they come together, it's a force. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? You, you share skills and life keep on moving. And do you see progress? Like, do you feel like fundamentally things are getting better? Or what's, what do you, what's your current state of mind I, on that? I, I, I feel... Uh, I'm very, very happy to say that I feel a lot of things are happening, changes. For example, in Kibera, the issue of gender equality has changed now. Women have more say, mm. you know what I mean? <coughs> and according to our, our, what we're doing research around and talking to people, we've seen that thing happening. At the same time, we have seen people are more aware. You can't manipulate them anymore, as used to happen. No, it's just, just a school. It is a movement. You know, we, 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 we share ideas. We talk about issues. You know? So I've seen a lot of changes. We now have clean water. Mm. The government is bringing roads now. <coughs> and people are becoming more aware. Yeah. 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 You all feel free to ask questions. Send in questions if you're out there uh, in the world. I see a few of them coming through. But I'm going to ask just a, another set here before we go to them. Um, so. Uh, a couple more, more just realms of discussion. One, teach for Kenya. I, I wonder how you think about that idea and whether it could, you know, I know you're excited about it. And yeah. Kennedy is on our global advisory committee and is, is helping to advise us not only in Kenya but about our work more broadly. But um, what are your thoughts about the idea of teach for Kenya? The one thing I love about the idea for teach for Kenya, it is more local. I love the idea that the, more, the locals are the one talking about it, you know. 
And if you think about Kenya, we <laughs> I talk about before idea of isolation. Mm. We have really schools that are run by government and, in, and private, which are informal, and they are really isolated. These kids really have the teachers sometimes really don't care. This is so sad. You know, sometimes teachers don't come to classroom. Mm. There's a, you can see that on the research whereby teachers spend more time absent. You know, I mean, <coughs> these students for me. They don't know what's a better, what is a better Kenya. I mean, so by the way, I believe in this idea of involving more teachers who are not who are coming from diff students coming from different backgrounds. You know, they become more like mentor for mm. these kids. At the same time, I see Kenya is rip. Kenya is ready. We have a new constitution. Things Kenya is a hub in terms of uh, technology. Things are really happening, and I am not happy that some part of the country are being left aside. For this, you know, that's why I really believe in this uh, teach for Kenya. You know, I, I, I see it's something that's gonna really change my mm. country seriously. Mm. You know, and it, it will involve the government, will involve stakeholders, people. We want it to be more like everybody would be part of it. Mm. I mean, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm a big champion on it. What do you think <coughs> are the biggest challenges facing teach a, a teach for Kenya? I mean, which is not really in, in motion, just to clarify, but like. When you think about the context and will we be able to, or will, will that local Kenyan team be able to find the potential recruits and get them placed into classrooms and build the governmental and private sector support? Like, does it feel like the time is now and this could just happen? Or what, what are the biggest barriers, do you think? <laughs> You'd believe this, but it's so interesting. So in Kenya, there are people who believe that there's already teach for Kenya going on. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's, there's that kind of momentum. Yeah. Really, I talk to people like, oh, teach for Kenya. You know, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, like, oh, not yet ready. We are working on it. Yeah. You know? But this kind of feeling that is already going on. Mm. So for me, that's something really positive. You know what I mean? And the same time, we have to prove that we are not a threat to the teachers. We are mm. not going to be a threat. Mm -hmm. Okay? To the teachers and the teachers' union. Mm -hmm. That's something that we come very clearly, you know? Because we are just filling the, the gaps. Mm -hmm. Okay, you have to be clear on that. Uh, the, 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 the same time, it's always very much a little bit uh, scary for the social entrepreneur to take on something new. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a little bit of a challenge. You know what I mean? We have a couple of people who are really looking for, are looking for to talk to, but and will be interesting to see how we are going to work with these new social entrepreneurs on how to, to mentor them. Mm -hmm. So what I'm working on now, we are making a base people they can talk to. I uh, have to uh, friends from bank, the banking uh, group, people from uh, corporations, mm -hmm. just to build what's called now, just to build a base. Yeah. That even if, you are, if you're gonna run Teach for Kenya, you're not alone. Yeah. I think there's something about being scared and being alone. So as uh, what we're trying to do in Kenya is to make sure that we have some structures, people rallying the supporters, mm -hmm. which are, yeah. So last time in Kenya, Samantha and I, we had a very good meeting with the Kenyans, organized by Equity Bank. And I was so impressed by the number of people who came out. Mm. And that, for me, was a way forward. Yeah, you know? so exciting. Yeah. Um, beautiful. Um, one other just realm. I tweeted out yesterday an op-ed that you wrote over a year ago. <laughs> it is so timely still today. I mean, it was linked Thank to you. a particular event. Um, you know, that was very tragic and unfortunate, but, you know, it, it could be, they should republish it. And, and um, you made a real case, it was so powerfully put, that, I'll just quote one sentence from it, the war on terror can be won only through education, promise, and real opportunities. Um, can you say more about 
that. And also, do you feel like people are hearing this message and actually acting consistently with it? Or <laughs> curious about your worldview at the moment on this topic? Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So I wrote that uh, article according to my personal experience, what yeah. I saw in the slum and what, you know. And <laughs> people are looking for opportunity. You know, there's nobody is bad. You know what I mean? But what happened, what message you get? I mean, and uh, what's happening, if you are a hopeless man, there's no daily bread, you will go for anything. You know what I mean? Uh, that's what the, that's how the gangs work. You know what I mean? So yeah. there's no di big difference. You know? But if we can focus more in building the opportunities, we'll end up having less problems. Mm. You know? And if you see what's happening in, right now, if you talk about groups like uh, Al Shabab, Boko Haram, whatever, in Kenya now they're going to the informal slums, informal settlement. They are doing recruitment. They are promising you a better life, mm. you know, <laughs> and you know, and that makes you a little bit excited. Mm. Know that you want to do anything bad, but because you are empty, you know what I mean. So, but if we as a society can spend more money, more resources on education, that would be the best way to fight all these things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Becca Ships from Teach for All's team is asking, "What is your vision for Kibera's future, Kenya's future, and how can these visions become reality?" Wow, that's a Kenyan <laughs> future, Kibera's future. You know, uh, I, I really, we are working on to make a, a better Kibera. What is a better Kibera? Education, healthcare, and jobs. I mean, and that's what we've been working on. You know, we have, we have, you know, so I, I also see the future whereby the government should be much more involved. That's kind of my dream, you know. If the government and the community can really work together, that would be something good. So far, I'm seeing some hope on that. And uh, in terms of Kenya, Kenya is really going towards a good direction. I'm really impressed by a young population. You know, they're becoming much more aware than the, uh, like, like, like more than 10 years ago. Mm. Right now, for example, in Kibera, I think uh, almost over 60% of population are under the age of 15. Interesting. Mm. So if we can invest wow. in education of these people, we have the better Kenya. Gosh. And are there promising initiatives on that front? In terms of? In terms of education, like when you think about what's going on in Kenya broadly, are, is the government and our communities taking steps to actually improve education? Like do you see progress on that front? Education, yeah, education is interesting because uh, I'm a little bit not happy the way things are going because the, the, uh, if you see the number of students in a classroom, it scares you. You see over 100, 200 in a small, you no. Know, some places there's no even buildings, you know. There's no building for the, for the classes, you know. So, and let it be clear, it's not just education. We want a better education. Mm. You know, there's just two different things. Education or a better education, quality education. You know? and, you know, so, and that's what we are now facing, you know. We have these schools that don't have really mm. good teachers, you know. There's no enough teachers in classrooms. And that's a problem the government is facing now. There's, no, there's a shortage of teachers in Kenya. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, interesting. And, and how do you think about it? I mean, you spoke a bit about this earlier, but you're bringing me back to the, the Teach for Kenya idea because, mm -hmm. as you well know, I mean, it can make an impact in terms of teachers, but in the end, it also just would do so much to build this growing force of leaders Mm. who could end up taking this issue on from lots of different directions, but who are really grounded in the experience of having taught in the 
kind of most kind of marginalized parts of the country. Um, like how do you think about that piece of, of the Teach for Kenya work? Uh, we talk about the Teach for Kenya. One of the, we have, I see two outcomes. One, the students are gonna get a better education, you know, which is good. We have a shortage of teachers in, in Kenya, so that's really interesting that we're able to help. The, the third one that I'm really much more impressed about is, if you think about these African countries, people become into leadership positions. Talk about class and isolation. Most of them don't understand what is poverty. Mm. They don't understand what people are passing through in daily life. But what Teach for Kenya is going to do, we're going to force them to be teachers. Okay, that's what I, we're not going to force them. But they'll be coming, passing through this kind of experience that will, in the future, will change the way they are doing things. And in their leadership roles, their bankers or whatever they're going to be in the government, they'll be able to understand the situation on the grassroots level. I'm really believe on that. Mm. In that way, we are changing a lot. What happened if you are, you are the president or you are the minister or whatever, and you don't understand the, what people are passing through, what 60% of population are going through? It's hard. We have people who don't understand people can go with no food. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they're in leadership. Mm. So they can make the policies that really cater for, for the poor. So these programs for me, I think, is going to help the students, but also the teachers are going to have are going to be going back to school again. <laughs> School of life. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I love totally. that. Yeah. So great. That will, uh, in, in long term, will impact their life and the life of the society as a whole. Yeah. yeah. You know? Great. Yeah. Another question from Twitter, from at Think Immigration, um, asking you how you would recommend getting young students in the U.S. to start thinking globally. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I know this is tough, but it's also just interesting. I mean, Kennedy, you've spent a lot of time, it seems, in the U.S. trying to uh, wrestle funds for the efforts in, in Kenya. And, and I wonder what your experience has been in that and whether you've found, I mean, I personally, in raising, trying to raise funds for Teach for All, have encountered the fact that, that there are just so few people in the U.S. who mm. really think globally. And, and I, I guess I wonder, and, and this question seems to be getting at the question of how do we cultivate young people in this very rich country who do think about where the most pressing needs are around the world and the role that they can play in, in developing them. I mean, I'm just curious about your general experience in, in trying to enlist help and resources from, from here. So what I've seen is that, for me, I see the world as a global village. I'm kidding you. What's happening in Nigeria affects what's happening in New York. What's happening in Kenya affects what's happening here. I mean, so the world is a global village. But I'm also a little bit sad that most of the time, many Americans, and let's be honest, have been much more focused on everything is America. Everything is America. You know, there's no way of seeing beyond that, you know? So, 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 after, so let's make it much more, if we can see the world as a global village, we'll be able to accept that what happens in developing countries or what's happened in Afghanistan, now we have ISIS. Man, it's affecting us, you know, everywhere, you know what I mean? And then, my strong point in terms of development is, <laughs> you agree with me here, yeah? a dollar goes a long way in places like Kibera. One dollar goes a long way there, you know what I mean? So, it, so that for me is a way to keep people to know that you can have what? You can have an impact. Another thing I believe in is not only resources, I also believe in skills. If you can share your skills, what you are good at globally, 
Because the world is what? It's a small, it's a small village. I mean, yeah. So yeah. And it's, it's really good to be aware yeah. <laughs> as young people what is happening around you, what is happening around the world. I mean, because I think it's very, very important to understand. You know? And I also believe when I say partnership. You know what I mean? We can, if, if you think of a place like Kenya now, there's a lot of happening in terms of business, in terms of ideas. You know what I mean? So there's always something that can happen. Yeah. Mm. And how do you think about your own uh, best focus? I mean, you've been doing so much through kind of, I mean, many people would call you a social entrepreneur. Mm. I don't know if you call yourself a social <laughs> entrepreneur. But as you think about kind of working from a community-based perspective versus working from a kind of governmental perspective, I mean, how much are you doing to actually try to cross sectors and influence what the government does? And I mean, you're still so young, I can't get over that. But but are you engaged in discussions with the government to try to help them become more effective and community grounded and such? Yeah, so this is a, this is a very good question. Number one is that you have to know that you cannot just start and uh, start talking with the government. No. So what happened is the community, the actions that they see on the grass level is what makes them want to talk to you. <laughs> okay? <laughs> That's what I learned in my life. You know, if you look what they're doing now, they're trying to do things. You know, and right now we are being a lot of talks. I've met some uh, really senior people in the government who are trying to talk on how they can change Kibera. Why? Don't sleep. This is my message to everybody. Do what you do, do it the best. It's gonna shine. When it shines, it attracts. So we'll be able to attract the government. <laughs> I love this part, you know. We won't be able to go to them, no. They're able now to have having conversation with us, how we can help each other. We have been talking, you know what I mean? So for me, and I see it's also good to think about policy. Mm. You know what I mean? Policy is very important because that's a really for long term. But you don't have to wait for the policy. <laughs> you have yeah. to start doing something. So there's a conversation going on and we're engaging the government. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's great. And, and do you see them, what, do you see promising things happening as a result of that? Yeah, I see a lot of things happening because of our, our work in the community has really kind of made Kibera to be much more something the government has to care about. Mm -hmm. you know, because of the work we're doing, the mobilization we're doing in the community. I told you before, now we have the, the roads. They're building mm -hmm. the roads. Mm -hmm. I think I have to give them credit, credit for that. That's a really big step. Because yeah. in Kibera, we have fire sometimes happening. There's no way we can put off the fire because there's no roads. You know I mean? Yeah. Then they're going to cater into what? Into toilets. Now, in the community, you know, we didn't have toilets for a long time. In the, you know, and I see changes. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And I would think everything is more step by step. And we can't fight the government. We have to engage them. You know? What we want, and I want personally, is a better Kibera. Yeah. doesn't care who brings it. <laughs> yeah. You know. I mean, your your comments just kind of raise this question for me, which is just that I mean, you're operating in this incredible context where the needs are so massive and the resources are so limited and trying to figure out kind of where you intervene. So for example, you know, it, part of your piece in the New York Times was about the importance of economic opportunity, providing yes. economic opportunity to the people irrespective of what their levels of education are. Um, you're obviously such an advocate for investing in education. And even within choosing your levers within education, it's like, do we invest in Teach for Kenya, which is a very expensive model when you think about it on a per-child basis, mm -hmm. versus what some could consider to be more basic needs. I mean, how do you think about um, kind of where to put 
the resources and, and how to prioritize among all the different things that, that need to be done. Okay, and, and uh, if we talk about uh, Kibera specifically, uh, for me, uh, I'm a bit much more of the holistic approach. Mm. Are this something that has really worked in the, in the, in the slum? No, and the, the, bad, the, the, the negative part is that mm. it's so difficult to, to, to get funding <laughs> for the holistic approach. Actually, working on the grassroots level is very, very hard. If you talk about the, the scale, you know what I mean? I think, I think investing for Teach for Kenya mm. is a massive, you know, in terms of the impact it's going to have. Because I said that before, I see it as some, it's something new, mm -hmm. you know, but the, the outcome will be really huge. Yeah. If we really, yeah. But we have to start talking to the corporates. That's why I say it's not something, we don't have, it's not one thing for one person. You know, mm -hmm. it has to be involvement. Mm -hmm. We have to sell the idea to the Kenyans. Yeah. Because I think, I think it's, I think Teach for Kenya, <laughs> forgive me here, has a very good way of getting funding even than something like Shofko. Because it's, it's easy, it's, it's something, it is much more, it's, it's much more seen even by everybody in Kenya, like it's something needed. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And people are willing to, to invest into it. You know yeah. what I mean? So, and I think it's at that time now we have to really talk to it, you know, and we also have to use a way of the companies that are coming from America, mm -hmm. in the, you know, that are working in Kenya. You know, because we know Teach for, uh, Teach for America has been a really amazing model, and we all agree on that. So how do we use that? Those are going to be our allies and companies that are coming, also corporations that are coming from America that are now working in, in Kenya. Mm -hmm. I'll be thinking about that too. How do we involve them? Because they understand it here. Yeah. It has worked here. Yeah. So it can work there. Yeah. Mm. Um, Becca Ships asked another question on Skype. Um, basically, you know, can you talk about the changes that you're actually seeing in Kibera? Like, meaning, are the children of Kibera growing up with more opportunity today than they were when you were growing up? Or okay, good. Yeah, see? there's a lot of changes uh, compared to my uh, the, 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 my when I was in when I was a kid and now. One of them is the value of education has now changed. Mm. You know, I mean, although people were not really taking it serious. Because more about hustling. But right now in our area, you see these kids who are going to our school, the way they speak, it inspires other parents to take the other kids to school. So more kids have been really enrolled in mm -hmm. school than before. In terms of gender equality, I see more, more girls going to school compared to, compared to my like 10 years ago. Why? Now they can see the value of education. Mm. You know what I mean? Our, 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 our girls are really performing well in the exams. They were in the poetry, they were number one, you know, in the whole country. So people are seeing these kind of things. Whereby before, people like Kennedy will go get a job in the factory. Mm. <laughs> so Kennedy's sister should not go to school <laughs> because they don't get a job in the factory. You know, that changed. Mm. Another thing that happened in the community is there used to be a lot of uh, sexual violence against women. Right now, they are not reported. Right now, people report these cases. Mm. For me, this is really amazing that we can talk about it. Hmm. Before the perpetrator will just walk free. Now, no, you have to run away. And that means, you know, that's hmm. for me big changes that yeah. I've seen in the community. Yeah. We also have a clean water, which we never had for a long time in, our, in my area. Yeah. I'm just thinking, Kennedy, about the incredible, like the personal journey that you have been on. It just seems sort of surreal, thinking about where you grew up, 
the different worlds that you now need Navigate. to operate <laughs> in. Um, you know, and, and I guess I wonder how you stay so centered and, and how you're doing in sustaining all of this personally. Yeah, so I have, I have to say my life has been tough, for sure, been really hard life. But in terms of the Shining Hope communities, the organization, I've been really lucky to have good staff, community members who are really working hard day to day to make this movement sustain itself. Mm. Yeah, and personally, this is my advice to people. It's, it, it was a challenge, you know, coming from nothing to something. You know, it can be overwhelming. How do you survive? And uh, right now, it's a big change, I won't lie. It's a huge change for me, you know, what is happening. But I've learned what is called to live in the moment. Mm. That's the only thing that sustained me. It is now I'm here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. focus on that. You know, living in the moment has been really a way of grounding myself. Mm. I mean, because I think, if you think about the past, also bring what? Stress, also and bring the ego. Last time I met so-and-so, you were in an ego, you know? Mm. <laughs> but if you live on the present, you can ground yourself. So I try yeah. to live in the present. Yeah. <laughs> That's great, beautiful advice. Yeah. And how do you think about, I mean, you had said earlier that, you know, for the folks in the grassroots, there can be such a disconnect yeah. from, from sort of the elite, and yet once you access these resources, then you can be disconnected from the grassroots. Like, how do you stay, how do you keep it all in balance and ensure that you're still staying centered in and grounded the in the community? Yeah. And it's very important. Uh, in for example, in Kibera, when I got my scholarship and I went back to Kibera, I could see some people were more like, eh, will you really talk to us? Yeah, will you really... Are you now too cool than us? You know what I mean? Which was, they, they have to be suspicious. They have a yeah. right, you know? But for me, I understand that we need both to world. Mm. And this is so fun, Wendy. When uh, the, uh, my life changed a couple of two, maybe two years ago, when I met uh, middle, uh, upper middle class from Kenya. So even though I was like getting my support from America, so I never grew in what's called organic. Organic in Kenya is that you come from the Kibera slum, you go to the Arab University, and you meet the middle class, and that's your life. Mm -hmm. From <laughs> Kibera and having a panel with President Clinton, you know? And it was like, whoa, this is so huge. Nothing in Kenya, except the ghetto. So it was a really big world for me. You know? mm -hmm. In the US, knowing Wendy very closely, not, no, no connection in Kenya. Can you see that? It was something like, and I didn't understand the Kenyan middle class. I was wrong. I thought they didn't care. Mm -hmm. So when I met this guy called David, who is my, my best friend now, who told me, Kennedy, everybody has a story. Mm. Your story is a story of my father. <laughs> and I mean, I'm like, wow. But how can we come to Kibera? Mm. And that's when I realized, Wendy, is that, okay, I have to start creating bridges. Now you won't believe the amount of support we are getting from Kenyans. Mm. Last year, my budget, 10% was from Kenya. Yeah. Like, you know, before I didn't get anything from Kenya. Yeah. I mean, so I realized that everybody wants to do have an impact. They don't know how. Mm. You know I mean? But in terms of being grounded, I understand that Kibera is very, very important. At the same time, I understand the other world. So that has been much more my strength, is to listen to the people. They might have different ideas, but they're all the same. And you need them both. For sure, for to work, I need, I need the ideas of people from Kibera. Yeah. I also need the, 
the, the, the, the support of financial yeah. resources. You know, so it's yeah. a way of balancing them both. And yeah. you have to know that they can't do without each. Yeah. They need each yeah. other. Yeah. And, and so where do you think, like when you think, say, five years out, um, where do you think Shafco will be at that point? Or what are the questions around that in your own mind? Let's just make it short and simple. In the next five years, I think Shafco will be playing, a, apart from services delivery, will be doing a big role in, uh, uh, in policy making. Mm. Yeah, I can yeah. see that, yeah. Because mm. we already proven that we can you know, solve yeah. much more policy. And, and what do you think mm. the policy focus will be? I think we have to, we have to change the way the government and people view the Kibera and the slums mm. in, in, mm. In, in, in Kenya, you know what I mean? So I see we're gonna play a, a very big role on how to transform mm -hmm. the society, uh, the informal settlements in Kenya. So yeah. that means education system, Okay, that's mean in terms of health, the yeah. well-being of human being. I don't think people should live the way people live now. Mm. It's unfair, to be honest. Mm. You know, in this twenty-first century. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Let me see what's what's here. Oh, Deb. I get, I get your point. So I knew what I was facing. I was facing insecurity. I was facing hopelessness. So what we did, we turned it upside down. I said this, we are rich, we are wealthy. Materialistically, in materials, we are poor. But we are rich in neighborhood. We have, you know, we have communal, we have things that, in Kibera, people care about each other. These are our wealth. And we don't need anything else. And we went, the only way to kill a snake in Africa, when you kill a snake, you use whatever you have. Don't look for a gun. Anything you have, beat the snake with. So we're gonna beat this poverty, what we have. We're able to come together to play soccer. That was something brings the energy together, coming together. Slowly by slowly, we're able to start businesses, whereby we're able to help each other to start small businesses. We're doing cleanups. So it, it really grew up slowly by slowly. We're making ornaments, I mean. But the idea was that we are wealthy. We don't, you know, because our mind has to be set into like, we're gonna change our own life in this jungle with nobody helping us. We are on our own. And I had to make that clear. So anything else for us was a bonus. <laughs> mm. It's true, I asked the members to do that. They're like, everything else was a bonus. So we have to switch our mind and believe that we're gonna change our society no matter what. We're gonna clean the streets. We're gonna talk about issues. We're gonna do the cleanups. When we get any support, that's bonus. Mm, mm. <laughs> Kennedy, I'm going to end by asking you yeah. for some advice for Teach for All. So um, as I said, Kennedy's on our advisory committee, and, and particularly uh, as a, in the realm of advising our work in Africa. Um, and as you think about our, our work, I mean, wh what, do you, what, do you, what are the biggest risks or concerns that you actually have deep down or see? I mean, what, what do you think we need to be super sensitive about and careful about as we think about really maximizing the possibilities in Africa around, around this work? <laughs> you know why I love Wendy? She's just too honest. She's very, you know? 
asking you this question. It's very interesting. I love, I love you, Wendy. You know, <laughs> other people will not ask that question in front of a camera. Huh? <laughs> As we talk about teach for all, we have to be very, very, uh, I'll say a few things Yeah. One is as we work in Asia and Africa, we have to be, know that we are working in a different continent. Brazil, China, all other countries in the Asian we have continent is that more people are willing to use their wealth to change their country. So they are the next America, you know, they're coming up. Kenya, Uganda, Tanzania, Ghana, we're having this problem that we don't have these people mm. who are willing to invest their resources. So our social entrepreneurs in Africa, we have to think twice, are going to have challenges. Mm. The only hope I think I, uh, I can have is countries like Nigeria and South Africa. Mm. We have these people, companies that really made huge money at the same time. For example, you can go to other countries, they'll ask you to go and have dinner. And I'm like, find anybody, yeah, I'll support. In, uh, I'm sure in Brazil or in, mm. in India. Wendy, Africa is different. Mm. So we have to know, we have to. And that's because <laughs> the wealth is older. That you you got it, yeah, yeah, the wealth is older. Yeah. Know? And uh, so something that we have to really see how to, to, na to, to, to navigate. Mm. But the energy and the, and the people are really willing to, yeah. to do something. So that's one challenge. Yeah, that uh, uh, unless we get some people who are really companies, you know, it might be a, we might end up having a little bit of support, mm -hmm. social entrepreneurs, thinking on how to be trained and how to get it outside, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as we wait for the, our country to eh, to yeah. start embracing it. Yeah, yeah. Eh? Do you do you tap into to aid dollars at all for your own work, governmental funds that come from outside the country? We or no? like USID. Yeah. yeah, and, and uh, other, yeah. From the American government? American government, but from other governments, the, the various foreign aid sources. That's like. good, yes. That's a good point. There's a lot of support, uh, for example, the DFID mm -hmm. and the USAID. Uh, and I think for, for, I think for, for Shofko was not yet ready for that. We are working mm -hmm. on that now. Yeah. But I think because of the brand mm -hmm. of Teach for All, I think that's a thing that we have to think of. Mm -hmm. I never thought about that. That's a mm -hmm. good point, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And what about government funding in Kenya? Is that <laughs> non-existent? Man, I will even talk about that. That one is no something to think about yeah. <laughs> for now. <laughs> Maybe in future. I hope the government yeah. is listening that. They will be doing good things. Yeah, huh? yeah. yeah. OK. <laughs> yeah. Kennedy, thank you so much Thanks for so being much. here yes. with Thanks us. Really. So great. Really. Um, it was good. I yeah. enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. For more information about Teach For All, visit teachforall.org.